Hey, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Husker Big Red podcast. And uh, we're back here on the YouTube channel. Um, I'm here with uh, Chris Peterson and my co-host, as always, is uh, Danny Gillette. Um, we're from HuskerBigRed.com and we've got a big uh, news day here, um, you know, kind of reacting to a lot of the stuff that's happened here over the last week you know the biggest news i think for nebraska football fans you know uh, aj allen and casey thompson both entering the transfer portal uh we had the nfl draft happening but uh, we'll we'll just start with uh, danny how are you doing this morning my bruins man my bruins have really kind of disappointed me so i'm not doing so great this morning but i am excited to be on here with you today and we have a lot of things to cover don't we yeah, some big news dropping last night with uh, AJ Allen hitting the transfer portal. Uh, that definitely, you know, was a huge loss for the Cornhuskers. Uh, Casey Thompson also entered, you know, earlier this week, which you know people kind of saw coming. But which loss is bigger to you, uh, AJ Allen or Casey Thompson? AJ Allen. I mean, I think he's such a dynamic running back, and he's so shifty. And I understand we have people in the room. I understand that room is very deep, but. You know, in the Big Ten, you need to have several horses uh, in the backfield. And, you know, I think uh, A.J. Allen would have been a really, really solid player for Nebraska here. And um, I wish him the best. You know, I'm kind of, you know, interested that he stuck out this long, given that Brian Applewhite is no longer with the program. So, I mean, best of luck to him. And I'm excited to see wherever he goes because, you know, a good team is going to get him. It's definitely disappointing. You know, I thought it was weird. You know, it just seemed uh, I didn't know why he wasn't higher up on the depth chart in the spring. And hopefully that doesn't have something to do with it. But, you know, it seemed like he was getting limited, limited attempts, um, you know. So I don't know about that. But I mean, if I had my choice between him and Gabe Irvin, basically him and anybody, I would take A.J. Allen. So, you know, it's yeah. curious to me why he was not being, you know, why he was far, so far down on the depth chart, you know, in the spring, because I mean, you look at it now, um, I'm I'm as worried about running back as I am at quarterback because, like, who who's the future starting running back on this team beyond this season? There isn't one, you know. I no. mean, um, and you've, you've got Emmett Johnson, who, I mean, he's got talent but hasn't done anything yet, didn't look great during the spring. You've only got one incoming running back from the 2023 class and Quentin Ives, who's a very low-ranked, you know. I mean, he's got potential, sure, but – there's there, there's a lot of concern I think about the running back room going forward and they definitely need to you know pick up some guys in the 2024 class and I mean I know that they're after Nathaniel Frazier but that's you know that's a really that they've got to get more guys than that they've got to get two or three in this class and they've got to get some four stars like legitimate four stars and yeah I don't know it's just there's there's a lot of running back I think definitely needs to you know be addressed and because uh, the the future at the position right now is not looking very bright. And, you know, we're after Nathaniel Frazier, and so is everybody else. So, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they, you know, address the running back position. I will say I do feel a little bit better knowing that the staff can actually recruit and um, as opposed to previous staffs. But A.J. Allen, I think, was a massive hit, and I was really bummed out to see him go. I loved watching him, you know, when he played last year. And, I mean, man, you know – the coach rule talked about Gabe Irvin as somebody that's really stepped up, you know, during spring and somebody that he really likes. And, you know, now, um, now Irvin is going to have to go out and prove it. And he said, you know, he is healing much better from his injuries than he was last season. So 
I think this is going to be a big year for Gabe Irvin. I really do. And, you know, the talent is there. He just hasn't been able to put it all together, partly due to injuries. And so now he gets the spotlight on him to show what he can do. And, you know, I think Nebraska's really going to have to not only rely on Gabe Irvin and Anthony Grant, but take the running back by committee approach. I still think there are very good running backs in the room this year, but I don't necessarily think that beyond Anthony Grant, you know, there's a solid number two right now. Yeah, I just, you know, Gabe Irvin is interesting, you know, because he always gets talked up, and then when he plays, he just doesn't do anything special. I mean, he do- he wasn't special to me at all in the spring game, if I'm being honest. So I didn't really see why he was being the number one back. So, I mean, hopefully he'll show that on the field. But, I mean, when he started, you know, I just – when he started games, he's never really done a whole lot. So, I mean, I've always, I've just constantly heard about how good Gabe Irvin is, but, you know, when he gets on the field – I mean, I need to actually see some production. I'm sick of seeing him, you know, run for three yards a carry, you know, like make some plays if you're going to be the number one back. And I mean, the same goes with Anthony Grant. But yeah, you know, I don't know. I just I feel a lot worse about this running room, running back room, frankly, because, you know, A.J. Allen just, you know, he could do things that nobody else in the in the room can do. He was explosive. He was a good receiver. Um, so I think it's a big hit. I just I don't think that there is a way that you can replace, you know, what he could do. I'm not sure you know, what happened this spring or why he was a little bit lower on the depth chart. I know he was just coming back from injury, but, you know, I, de- I definitely think that I don't know if there's anything that the coaching staff could have done, but, you know, this does hurt them going forward. And I mean, it definitely, you know, they need to look at the portal, I think, for running backs. I mean, that that's a position that needs to be at. I don't know if they're going to add anybody in the transfer portal with their scholarship situation the way it is, although I don't really worry about that type of thing. I just, I think if you can add a good player, you do it. And then you kick a guy off the bottom of your roster. I mean, that's just the way that it goes. And look last year, it's hard for me to judge the running backs last year because we barely ran the football. And it seemed like whenever the running backs started to get hot, like Anthony Grant, we immediately threw 75 passes. So, I mean, you know, there is not a lot of production to go off of from last year. Um, You know, I do think, I do think that the running back position needs to be addressed you know, I do think there is also, um, you know, some some hope given that Nebraska has recruited the state of Texas well, has recruited Florida pretty well, and, you know, I think they can get another running back. I'm just not sure if they can get, you know, a quality running back. And what I mean by that is a four-star running back like you alluded to and not some project player. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's just they're going to have to, you know, focus on that in the transfer portal. Be, you know, I mean, the the 2024 recruiting class, I mean, things are cranking up pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, I don't love where Nebraska stands in the 2024 class. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. Um, I mean, just looking at the, you know, they did get a commitment for me in Flint the last week, which was, you know, I mean, that was solid, a solid three-star tight end. But there's just, you know, there's a lot of guys that have visited, but, it doesn't, you know, I could be wrong, but it's my, I just don't feel like Nebraska's gaining a lot of traction with, you know, there's not like a, there's not a bunch of top targets where you're like, this guy's going to commit, you know, in the next month or two. So I don't know. I mean, it's probably too early to get that worried about it, but I just don't think that, you know, this 2024 class is going to kind of, you know, it's not meeting the hype of the 24 hours type of thing. You know, it's been, in, in terms of that, this, this class has not been very exciting. I'll just say that so far. Well, people are playing the waiting game, and people want to see what this program and team is all about. 
and you know you've seen the staff they can recruit you know very quickly and turn a class around like that in a matter of weeks i mean look what look what they did with the 2023 class so i'm not too worried yet recruits are playing the waiting game and you know if if it comes to november even october november and we still have you know five commitments or six commitments in the class then i would be a little worried right now i'm not too worried you know i think people just want to see what this program is all about and you know we do have a solid base with a couple of players um you know even even um you know in previous regimes this was not a fruitful recruiting time for nebraska so I wouldn't necessarily worry about this yet until the season starts because right now it's just the waiting game. And the fact that the staff was able to recruit 2023 so well uh, and get some new commitments in and sell the program, you know, makes me think that they'll be able to do it, you know, once the season starts, especially if the program starts winning. So, yeah, anyway, looking back to 2024, just talking about, you know, future starters and, and guys like that. Um, in case Jeff Sims, I'm hoping that he'll start here for two years. That's obviously, I think, the ideal plan. But, um, you know, I mean, just, you know, people have mentioned him in the Heisman talk. I mean, if he has, like, a great season and we win nine games and he decides he wants to go pro, then all of a sudden you're, you're – I mean, I know the transfer portal's there and that's probably where Nebraska would go. But I just still think these recent – I mean, we lost three quarterbacks in a matter of days to the portal. So I do think it's important try to get a quarterback every class – and, yeah, we talked about Dante Reno, and I'm not sure why they haven't taken the step to make that up. The only thing I can think of is if they're trying to, like, you know, slow play the Rayola recruitment, like maybe trying to make him, you know, ha- wait until the fall until they can win some games or something. You know, I, that may be Which their honestly only chance. Is smart, yeah. I was going to say, it might be their only chance to get them. I mean. I just but, don't know if that's going to work. You know, I just have a hard time seeing a five-star quarterback waiting that long. But, I mean, maybe. Maybe they can get him, too. I don't know. I mean. He, they probably could get him to because he's clearly having fun with this entire recruitment process while all fan bases suffer. So, I mean, <laughs> maybe they could let him draw it out a little bit. I mean, but I think I'm not against, you know, going to, to the transfer portal consistently for a quarterback only because, you know, what Sonny Dykes and TCU did in just one year time you know, kind of stress the fact that you can win now, you can win quickly, and, you know, you can get to the big stage. So I'm not exactly sure that I would be opposed to taking another transfer quarterback or something like that. I get the development portion of it, and, you know, maybe this is just the Nebraska PTSD fan in me that, you know, Richard Torres, Logan Smothers, you know, guys – like going back to Luke McCaffrey all the way back there, we just haven't been able to develop a quarterback. So if the transfer portal is our niche, so to speak, then honestly, I'm for it. I want to win games. I want solid quarterback play. It may not be orthodox, but I wouldn't mind, you know, getting transfer portal quarterbacks at all. See, I think they should look for a transfer portal quarterback right now. I mentioned this in yeah. uh, my article about Casey Thompson, but there's a kid from South Carolina, Braden Davis is his name, that was in the 2022 class, and he just hit the transfer portal like last week. Um, you know, he what he was a three-star recruit according to the composite rankings, but, I mean, he's a guy that 24-7 sports talked about as having, you know, a potential NFL future and being a multi-year starter. Obviously, Marcus Satterfield has that connection with him. So, I mean, to me, 
that would make a lot of sense if you if if you evaluate that kid and you think like, hey, he might have an opportunity. Um, I would bring him in right now and let him compete with uh, Harburg and uh, you know Chuba Purdy and let them figure it out. But at least he would give you kind of a guy to you know develop this year because I mean. I feel like at this point, Chubba Purdy is just going to hang out until, you know, Matt Rule takes his scholarship away or he's a graduate and then he can transfer somewhere else because he's just not ever going to play at Nebraska unless it's like, you know, Sims and Harburg are both out with injury. You know, I mean, unless there's a series of injuries like Chubba Purdy is just never going to play at Nebraska. So, I mean, he's only it's, it's only a matter of time until he leaves, in my opinion. Um, and then probably, you know, it's just. You go beyond this year, and I'm not saying that I'm worried at all about Torres or Smothers or whoever. I'm not. I don't. I'm glad that they left. I didn't want to waste a scholarship on them anymore because that's. I'm not saying it's a waste. They just weren't ever going to play here. You know what I mean? So, I feel like this would be a good opportunity. You know, if Satterfield likes that quarterback to go get him or or, or get a quarterback in the portal that you know isn't a veteran, which I know isn't easy, especially, you know, in this spring window, but there's some guys out there that were former three and four stars. And I think Nebraska should kick the tires and see if there's anybody there worth bringing aboard and like developing for a year behind Jeff Sims to maybe take over for him. And like we said before, you don't have to have a five-star quarterback all the time. You only have to have good playmakers and, you know, good situations and play calling to surround them with. I mean, you look at the Alabama quarterbacks, you know, a guy like Mac Jones or even, you know, going way back, a guy like A.J. McCarron, you know, guys like that, they had great receivers, great running backs. They were able to raise their own stock while helping, you know, Alabama win in the process. And I'm not saying we're going to be Alabama. I'm just saying that's an example of surrounding your quarterback with, with playmakers. And I think the staff can get playmakers. So I think if they bring in, you know, an above average quarterback that could even help us win some games yeah definitely for sure i mean and there's yeah you don't need to you know have a superstar you just need to have somebody that can be you know productive um i thought you know i still think daniel kalen would be a great get but you know i I don't think that's going to probably happen so um it is interesting to we'll, we'll see how it all works out and the hope is that you know with jeff sims and i guess going back to casey thompson you know we haven't really had this conversation a whole lot we were kind of getting into it but you know we've had technical difficulties but you know neither I mean Jeff Sims has never played a full season I mean the last two years he's played 15 games I mean so I'm I'm not I think he can be great but he's got to stay healthy I'm worried about the offensive line and I am very worried about one Jeff Sims injury in this quarterback room is is uh, exactly where it was last November when we could pick up a first down essentially against Minnesota, Wisconsin. You know, for three weeks we could barely get a first down. I think if Sims gets down, you go to Harburg, and Harburg offers a little bit with his legs. So I agree. Yeah, I'm just I'm worried that it's going to be. I'm hoping that he can th- throw better than we saw. I, I still I do think he can. I think he's better than we saw in the spring game and I do like his athleticism and I think this the coaching staff would be smart enough to actually utilize his skills, but it does concern me still. Yeah, like when you have a backup quarterback in the game, don't pass the ball 50,000 times a game. Actually run the football. I'm looking at you Mark Whipple in case you watch this. Um but no, I think, you know, we still do need a quarterback. I would like to see what Harburg could do just for the heck of it. Chubba Purdy, I don't know. He's not going to improve anytime soon. And, you know, it does worry me a little bit. I, w- I would hope to be able to, like you said, land a Rayola or Kalen, but 
truthfully, I just don't see it. I really don't see it. So I think we're probably going to have to go to the transfer portal again. And, you know, it's just tough because I was looking at, you know, some lists of names the other day. When's the last time that we've had a solid quarterback that has been able to consistently play for, you know, lengths and stretches? And, yes, there was Adrian Martinez, but – I mean, he never instilled any confidence in me. Let's let's. I'm just being I mean, honest here. I mean, I mean, really, if you want to get, I mean, people get mad about me for saying this, but you know, essentially, essentially, from the day that they, you know, abandoned the, you know, the day Eric Crouch graduated, you know, they have not found a quality quarterback since, and that has been the issue for this program. You can't win. If you have below, I mean, yes, if you're loaded, if you're if you're Alabama or whatever, but if you're in Nebraska, like you just don't have that talent, and you needed a quarterback. And like Taylor Martinez was was great. He had a lot of moments, but he never won any big games. And like beating Kansas State on the road on a Thursday night, I'm sorry, that's not a big game. Like he couldn't beat Oklahoma, you know what I mean? Because he couldn't throw the ball. Like when it came down to it, he could not throw the ball when it mattered. And teams that were quick that could match Nebraska athletically, I mean, like he could run all over Missouri, but Oklahoma, Texas, the better teams, he got nowhere. He did nothing and he got hurt. So it's like Tommy Armstrong was a, was a solid quarterback. Jamal Lord was a solid quarterback. Those were, I mean, I'm not ripping on those guys in any way, shape, or form. Like if I could have a Tommy Armstrong every single year, I would do it. But the fact they just haven't consistently, you know, found that since then. And, and Jamal Lord, too. I mean, he had, um, you know, one good season after, you know, um, Eric Crouch left, had a nine-win season. But it's just they've got to find a dyna- some dynamic guys at that position. And I know it's tough, um, but they've – you know this this transition from like the option to you know the the pro style to you know it's, it seems like Nebraska for two decades has still been searching for an identity. Are we going to be like pro style? Are Good we going to be like a, an option spread? Are we going to you know it's like they just it just keeps shifting around. And so hopefully this coaching staff will stay and win enough so they can like establish an identity of like what Nebraska is going to look like going forward. Because in some ways we still are kind of making that transition from the Solich era. Just using, you know, Logan Smothers as, as a recent example, I mean, are you going to put Logan Smothers in a pass-first pocket offense? You know, that's not his game. Are you going to put Luke McCaffrey in, in you know, a pass-first pocket offense? That's not his game. Casey Thompson wouldn't, you know, he's not an RPO type of quarterback. So it's like we've recruited quarterbacks, and we've probably recruited some really good ones. We just haven't been able to reach their full potential because we've been switching the offensive identity so much, and that and that doesn't help anybody. So it's been a mess for quite a while. And yeah, there was like you know Armstrong, and you know a lot of people will say Martinez, but I mean I don't know. It's just been like it's almost become let's just run the offense this year, hope it helps us and holds us over. And then let's switch again, and that helps nobody. Yeah, it's been well. It's just been yeah. It's been a lot of um, coaching changes and instability. So hopefully, I mean, Nebraska needs Matt Rule to coach here for like ten years. That's what needs to happen. He needs to fix this thing. He needs to be Nebraska's Jim Harbaugh and get this thing going in the right direction. And then hopefully, from there, the infrastructure will be in place. And when he's ready to move on, you know, things can just keep, you know, moving forward. So that's my my long term hope. I'm not. I don't think Matt Rule is a miracle worker by any means. I'm not saying that he's going to get us back to being Tom Osborne. I just want to get back to 
winning eight or nine games every year. And I do think that with this 12-team playoff, I think it's reasonable to think Nebraska can be in that every, you know, every few years. I don't think that that's like an unrealistic expectation. No, it's more obtainable than ever now, I think, to get into the playoffs. And, you know, what what that would do just for recruiting alone. Hey, we're in the playoffs, you know, the last three seasons. You know, come help us continue to build and be a part of something special. And it's not like, you know, it's four teams and you see, you know, no path to a national championship when you have Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, blah, 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 you know. Anything can happen on any given Saturday in the 12-team playoff, you know, at, at least gives hope that you could potentially be in a national championship game. And that's a big incentive right there, especially if your program is on the rise. Plus, man, if you're seated five through eight, Nebraska would be host. I mean, that would be really cool to have a, a playoff game at Lincoln so Memorial cool. Stadium. So, I do, yeah, I, I don't want to get into the playoff too much, but, uh, yeah, I'm excited uh, about that. Um, I do want to touch on the draft. We're coming up on – are at the end of our time here because we were messing around with internet problems the whole time. But <laughs> it was uh, we did get two guys drafted. Just uh, you know, Trey Palmer, uh, O'Shawn Mathis, both went in the sixth round. I still can't believe Trey Palmer lasted that long. But just what were your thoughts on the the destinations of those uh, couple of guys that got drafted? If only Trey Palmer had Tom Brady, then I would feel a lot better about uh, yeah. him going mm-hmm. to Tampa Bay. He missed out on Tom Brady by that much. <laughs> And so Baker May, <laughs> speaking of miracle workers, I don't know if yeah, Baker Mayfield is gonna is gonna you know make Trey Palmer a uh, pro all time Hall of Fame receiver, but I'm happy he got drafted. I am a little surprised he lasted that long. Supposedly there were concerns about you know his like his drops and truthfully for as well as he played last year, we saw it. I remember again. Yeah, he had a few. He had a few. Uh, Minnesota, I think it was, and uh, not to rag yeah, on the guy, but. I could definitely see where the scouts were coming from with that. It wasn't just hyperbole. There were some drop issues. And then, you know, Mathis, I think, you know, he's going to an organization that has really prided itself on defense the past couple of years. So I think that's a great spot for him. And then there were some undrafted free agents too. Uh, Nelson went to the Dolphins. Nelson should have stayed in school. I agree. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see. I think Vokalik went to Baltimore. Baltimore, yeah, I think he's got a shot there. I, I, I feel like at least uh, I feel like Volkleck and Nelson are at least going to make practice squads this year. Yeah, and so who else am I missing? Any? Um, well, I mean, Adrian Martinez. Not that he's a Husker anymore, but he did sign with the Lions, the Lions. and then Caleb, Caleb Tanner actually signed with the Jets. So I think he might. You know, I think Caleb Tanner kind of. I think Nebraska. They just kind of moved him around. You know, they weren't sure if he was like an edge or a linebacker. So, I mean, I think just going somewhere where he can kind of settle into a position will probably help him. Um, but, yeah, I do think actually that Mathis found a good home with the Rams. Um, you know, they are very good at developing rushers. And, look, the guy – I'm not saying that O'Shawn Mathis is ever going to be a three-down player in the NFL. He probably wasn't at Nebraska. But he can rush the passer. So, I feel like he's one of those guys that, you know, we might look at in a couple of years as like – he just fits the the NFL game better than college. You know what I mean? Like, and there can, are guys that that that, that yeah. happens a lot more often than you think. And um, shoot, I I had a thought. Well, and Trey Palmer. I mean, with uh, I I feel like Trey Palmer. A part of it, you know, he only had the one. He was kind of a one year wonder. I mean, before this year, his best year was like three hundred yards. So I think that's part of it too. But he's not just a slot receiver. I mean, he's a return guy. He had he led college football in 70-yard receptions last year. And, 
You know, he didn't even have Casey Thompson for a lot of the season. I think he had five plays of over 60 yards. So I feel like, yeah, I mean, if, he, if Tom Brady was playing with him next year, I feel like he would make a, a good impact. But he kind of reminds me of that slot receiver for the Bucks, Godwin. I'm trying to think of his first name now that I'm blanking on it. But I feel like he could have a shot down the road because teams are going to, you know, maybe find him in the slot or outside and re- not realize, like, this guy Scotty runs for three. Yeah, not Scotty Miller. Um, He's like a pro bowler, like Chris Godwin, I think is his oh, name. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, 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 Godwin. I was thinking of like, uh, like an yeah, yeah. slot receiver. But Scott, yeah, he yeah. he's kind of yeah he kind of people yeah he kind of started as that and as he merged much more and and I feel like Trey Palmer could do that too where people are like trying to oh he's just he's not just a slot receiver he can do a lot of different things so I feel like that was a good pick by the Bucks but yeah I do agree if if he would have gone to a team like with a good quarterback he could have made an earlier impact. Uh, I'm I'm just happy that they got drafted to be honest with you because. I was just thinking, like, how is Trey falling this far? And, you know, I think there were a lot of wide receivers in this draft. I think there was more than I gave it credit for. I always thought it was very top-heavy. But, um, you know, I think um, hopefully the pro prospects will continue to rise under Matt Rule and, you know, in this program. And, you know, I do think there are a lot of guys, you know, when I thought of, you know, potential pro prospects under Matt Rule, I mean, yes, it's early, and he has a long way to go, but I immediately thought of uh, Uma Malin. You know, I think, I think you know, he's a really good rusher, and then you have a guy, maybe Anthony Grant, and, you know, uh, all, at least a couple of the wide receivers will end up in the NFL. So, I mean, I think, you know, this program is going to be well-built for the NFL, and we'll have some guys that, you know, get drafted in the earlier rounds, Sooner rather than later. And just and just really quickly, what did you think of your Packers this weekend for the draft? Um, I liked who they picked. I actually, you know, not that I'm a big, uh, I don't want to talk up Iowa people, but I like Lucas Fenness. Um, I think that he is a really good pass rusher. And I just don't, you know, to be honest, I don't, uh, you know, I'm going to, I don't think it's a smart idea to take a number two wide receiver in the first round. So like people wanted Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like I just, to me, that's a, a wasted pick of value. You know, the, the Packers got Jaden Reed in the second round out of Michigan state who I like. the Vikings took, you know, Jordan Addison in the first round, which that's sure, a he's good gonna, place for him. I, I think it's, it's a good pick, you know, he's a good player, but it's just, they already got Justin Jefferson. So do you really, do you really need, to waste a first round pick on a wide receiver as your number two when your your offensive line isn't good, your defensive line isn't good, you have no cornerbacks. I just don't think to be honest, I just don't think receivers win games in the NFL. Like no. to be to be honest, I if I was the Vikings, like going back what knowing what I know now, uh, knowing that Justin Jefferson is the absolute like an all pro. If I had a straight up choice between Jordan Love and Justin Jefferson, I take Jordan Love seven days a week and twice. What? That's crazy. Because why? Wide receivers just don't have value. I mean, look at look at the Eagles traded a second round pick and got that dude from uh, from the Titans, and he's just as good as AJ Brown. Yeah, I mean, I just it's not that I'm saying I, because like if Jordan Love is good, he's ten times more valuable than Justin Jefferson will ever be on his best day. On his best day, Jordan Je- Justin Jefferson just isn't that valuable because yeah, Kirk. I mean, it's like the Vikings have had. They had uh, Diggs and uh, Thielen. They had, I mean, they've had like for the last twenty years, they've had some of the best receiver duos in the world, that is and true, yeah. can't win shit. Whereas the Packers have, just, yeah, yeah, 
I mean, mean, look at the look at the Patriots, though. I mean, how many first round receivers did Tom Brady ever play with before he went to Tampa Bay? None. Yeah. I mean, outside of Randy Moss. Yeah. They traded, you know. Yeah. I mean, I just I just don't I think if you have a good my see, my thing is just if you have a good quarterback, like I'm saying you need good receivers, but I think you can find them. Like there's like the second and third round guys. I don't think they're that much different. So that's just my opinion. I think I like, receiver to me is like running back anymore. I just don't value it. See, I I, I feel the same way about the running back too, because especially you look at a guy like Todd Gurley. He had a couple of really great years with the at the time St. Louis Rams, and then he completely kind of yeah fell off a little bit. But you know, I I liked what my Patriots did. I like that we got Christian Gonzalez at seventeen. I like yeah, I that we. Too. I like that we loaded up defensively. Um, they weren't flashy names, but with Aaron Rodgers in the division, damn you, Green Bay Packers. Um, you know, I think we're going to have our work cut out for us. Uh, but uh, and then they took uh, Boutte, Keishon Boutte from LSU in the sixth round. So he could be a high upside pick. You never know. He was really, really good at LSU. But there are concerns about his motor and his effort levels. So I think for a sixth round pick, that wasn't bad. And you know, we had to get a kicker in the fourth round for some reason, so I hope he pans out. <laughs> and uh, Maryland kicker, whose name I forget right now, actually. So, Yeah, he's of, pretty good. He is pretty good, though. A lot so. of Big Ten uh, representation. I mean, the last time the Pats took a kicker in the fourth round, it worked out pretty good. Kostowski, so. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, right now. And Nick Folk is getting older, so I, that, I think Nick Folk is going to be like 41 this year, so. Yeah, I mean, he's getting up there. So, I mean, I was happy with the Patriots draft, but uh, even happier to see Nebraskan uh, names getting drafted. I just hope it's not towards the end uh, in the coming years so much as, you know, on uh, Thursday or Friday. Yeah, hopefully we'll start, yeah, coming more, you know, at the beginning and just seeing more guys that we didn't transfer in draft getting drafted would be nice to see as well. That's the other um, thing, too. There were two transfers yeah. that got drafted. Yeah, we need to get some more homegrown recruited talent uh, drafted, which I think we will. Matt Rule will get it there. Um, yeah, and it's just uh, the transfer portal moves have been tough, but the, the Huskers will be fine. Um, I'll be watching to see if there's any, you know, movement in Nebraska's direction in the next couple of weeks, but uh, we'll see. And, you know, for that, make sure you guys, you know, hit the subscribe button. Make sure you're following the Husker Big Red YouTube channel so you don't miss any of our videos or podcasts. You know, get into the comment section, you know, hit the like button, let us know what you think, and then check out HuskerBigRed.com for news and lots of analysis and updates on uh, everything, uh, you know, Husker sports related. So, um, you know, make sure you're you're hanging out with us uh, for everything Nebraska. And uh, as always, go Big Red. Go Big Red.